0: Out here in the perimeter there are no stars Out here we is stoned, immaculate Hello and welcome, this is David Eastall and this is the C86 show as you know, always playing the finest in indie pop and each week we love a special guest this week it is going to be the turn of Morgan Nichols who I spoke to a couple of weeks ago to find out more about life, love, poetry all that kind of groovy stuff And being a bassist in both an indie band, The Senseless Thing, and also a career in music, including playing with Moose. So I've got that interview that I'm just going to just lay on you. I'm just not even going to break it up into three or four easy-to-digest little segments. It's just going to be one mammoth chat fest, but fascinating all the same. But to get the party rolling, I think we're going to play your favourite and mine. This is going to be Too Much Kissing. an indie classic. And that is a fact. That's the sense of things. And uh, yes, you've guessed it. Too much kissing. We loved it then. We love it now. It's never going to get old. Um, This is David Eastall, babbling away on the C86 show. Slightly hyperventilating, but then at my age, you know, sometimes that just comes virtually every day. I'll have to lay down and have a puff of ventolin. But um, I might do the admin because I do love admin at my age. Um, You can... Uh, Yes, contact me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just go to at C86show. As I always say, do keep it positive and nice, otherwise don't bother. And also I've been doing this show for three years and I always have a special guest. So that's a lot of special guests um, that I've been stalking or tracking down. So yeah, you can find these shows on Spotify, iTunes, Mixcloud and Podbean. I know, C86show, check it out fascinating stuff i hear you say anyway this is the interview with morgan mr nichols to you yeah i've been babbling away about the show and life and that sort of thing and then mentioned that the senseless things came to the party in around 1986 and in that incredible comment this was morgan's response morgan take it away
1: yeah, around about then. I mean, it's it's um it's all a little bit fuzzy in my head. I have to say, but but yeah, we we started quite well. We were very young, and and I think we actually all met originally in a, in an adventure playground in um, Marble Hill Park in Twickenham, and um and that's sort of kind of where it started. So it was sort of during school school days, really. Yes, right. and um and it sort of went from one thing to to, to another, and um. Uh, Mark Head's the singer. He was very, he's very sort of uh, positive and forward thinking. In you know he, he he was very sort of keen to do his paper round, earn some money, buy guitars, buy a PA, and make it all happen. And without him doing that, none of it would have happened at all. The rest of us were far too useless and uh, interested in other stuff like girls and drugs and all that sort of stuff. But but Mark very much was sort of um, very uh, yeah very forward thinking and really pulled it all together. And we just sort of went along with it. And uh, and um, luckily we sort of you know persevered and and things happened quite quickly. I, I think the thing that the thing that um, the thing that uh, sort of kick-started it, apart from us, the enthusiasm of playing as many gigs as we could in as little time possible, that was, um, that was the main thing that drove us, for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why, but um, I guess when you're that young, that's all you want to do, you know? Yes. And, um, and so all our friends would come along and we'd sort of, like flying places and all the other gigs and but then we got our, our break was really a, um, a John Peel session when we were very young and um, in fact, I think we were the youngest band to play do a Peel session at the time apart from musical youth was <laughs> 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 uh, always made me laugh but um but yeah, so that 's kind of where it started and yeah, and our desire to sort of really go at it, go at the um, uh, you know the playing every pub that we could across the country. Um, that's what sort of really sort of did it for us, really, and we didn't have, we didn't have really have anything better to do, I guess. That's yes. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> well, going going back to the eighties, and there's a few things that I've sort of worked out, or vaguely worked out, was that um, yes, because I put you know, indie pop down between the years of eighty three to eighty seven, which is basically mm-hmm. the years of the Smiths, and then yep. also the other thing that was quite well, the other two things really, there was there was a lot of bands that I knew, and you might have not needed this, who sort of went. It was the Thatcher years and there was a lot of unemployment and there was, you know, the real lefty and the SWP and, you know, Red Wedge and stuff like that. So a lot of people went on, you know, unemployment or Job Seekers Alliance or the Enterprise Alliance, which was another great one where you could be kind of a self-employed person, an artist for a year. So a lot of bands did that. And also you had, and as you just mentioned, a very important person, you had those gatekeepers, which were fantastically important. And John Peel was one. And then obviously you had the music page who sold a 100,000 copies. So, you know, a well, John, John Peel yeah. play would just kind of then mean you'd get a phone call from someone the other side of the country saying, we've got this indie club night on a Tuesday, do you want to play? And most people would get in a van and say, yes, I'll just go and drive all the way there and back.
1: Yeah, Absolutely, yeah, and 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 it's funny at the time. I, I remember looking, you know, but I remember at the time we always used to sort of moan about how, you know, you know the, the you know pub the seventies pub like classic venues were closing down and and um, it was so hard to get a break and you know, um, but actually it really wasn't. I mean, compared to now, oh my god! I mean, it's like I don't know how a band would even begin really to to make try and make a living driving up and down, you know. Up and down uh, England and Scotland and Wales, you know, to, um, and trying to um, trying to make a living out of it because it's just everything's shut, it seems. And there's, you know, so little. Um, the whole infrastructure is completely different now. Yes, I really feel for uh, young guys, I mean, we we love complaining about it at the time. But um, you know, if I'd have known, you know, what was going to happen in in the future, I mean, gosh, so, we, well, we, I don't think we'd have um, we we it would have had, we would have been a band, really. I don't know how. I don't think it would have it would have been too difficult. You know?
0: Yes, well, it's interesting because, like you, you know, I, I sort of think, oh, that was a very good period, and these things all were there. Like, you know, John, a John Peel play, the NME giving you a mention and a review. You'd get yeah. 100,000 people, would have probably seen it, probably. And then, mm. you know, but then I can also remember, we moaned a lot. <laughs> yeah, 100%, yeah. No, it's all about moaning. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was no kind of, God, isn't this lucky? Well, you know, it was, it's like you'd have think, the unemployment and they'd pay your job seekers, um, your housing benefit and your council tax. And it was like, yeah, God, it was yeah. still enough to moan yeah, about. Yeah. No, but, that, but then it was, you
1: know, I guess, uh, you know, that's just part and parcel of being, being young, isn't it, really? You've got to have a good moan, otherwise, you know, you've got to you know nothing to Right
0: about <laughs> yes well I, I sort of i suppose i still you know i have to confess spend a lot of time looking at into or listening to interviews and about people i had to, the other day i was listening to joe Strummer going oh it's just the music now is rubbish you know you're thinking yeah. god everyone looks at that period as now the golden yeah. years of music you know yeah
1: I mean?
0: it's funny isn't it it's funny
1: but then <laughs> i guess we you know when you coming on off the back of our parents being in the 60s you know, it's like, oh, that must have been... Imagine how good that was,
2: you
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You, you know, they had
0: Jimi Hendrix, The Doors, you know, what do we have? We just have, you know, yeah. Echo and The Bunnyman, Julian you know, Julian Cope <laughs> and The Smiths, and, and Prince, I mean, you know, hopeless yeah. guy, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so look, did it take long yeah. then for you to... Because often with a lot of bands, you know, they... They faff about for a couple of years, playing in front of their friends, family, and anybody else they can emotionally blackmail to see. And then, often it was that John Peel play, the John Peel session. Did how how was it for you to make a sound that John Peel went, "Hey, book these kids, they're groovy." Well,
2: um,
1: well, uh, yeah. I mean, it, I, I I don't know what you saw in us to be, to be honest. I mean, we we were just making a racket as best we could, you know. And um, and it seemed to take um, take a few boxes. I think it was the single we put out a single called. Um, uh, too much kissing, and that, that sort of was. Uh, I think that that kind of just sort of kind of captured. Uh, I mean, the actual recording wasn't wasn't particularly good, and we didn't. You know, it was, uh, I almost wish we, we we recorded it a bit a few years later when we could play a bit better. But but the um but the uh, the the lyrics and just the vibe of it, I think, um, sort of that's what kind of sold it. And yes. um, and it, it was always the fans' favourite right from the start um, for whatever reason. But um, I know. Uh, that seems that seems to sort of do, you know, seal the deal for the, as well as the uh, sessions,
0: yeah. Because that single, which obviously everyone must talk about, I mean, it is quite epic for an indie single, isn't it? It's one of those ones that is like, okay, this isn't just the usual. it has a fantastic build up and climax, and then just kind of yeah. an anthemic quality. So when you how did that sort of come together? Because there is something quite and the sound, the production, it has that feeling. I know when I've been listening to the Chameleons recently and thinking, okay. God, their production is really good. They they were more stadium rock than the, you know than indie band. And, and too much kissing also has that. My God, that must have been a fan favourite. You know, and that's yeah. the one that I can remember going, okay, must must go and check that out.
1: Yeah, well, I to be to be honest, I can't really remember remember much about recording. <laughs> I have to say, it was it was uh, quite a long time ago. I mean, I, I vaguely vaguely remember, um, yeah, I, yeah, I vaguely, I vaguely remember it. I mean, it was just I um, I think we were we were drinking quite a lot at the time, <laughs> and probably through most of our early career. But. Um, um Harvey Burrell was the producer um I do remember that and uh and I think it was at Su- uh, Southern Studios I, I might I might be wrong it was some, yeah. some like that and um and I think we were actually borrowing quite a lot of the gear that we were using I t- I definitely wasn't playing I was playing someone else's bass and I remember sort of struggling a bit with it and um or or, or I just got a new bass I think and uh yeah and the the whole um the whole uh, sort of build up thing I think was just um that was just how we played it. it just it was kind of it just sort of fell together it's one of those things it wasn't really planned there wasn't any sort of big mystery to it it was just one of those things that, but i actually think i think it was it got better and better the more we played it uh live it became um you know it was, it was better live than it was on record i think but yes. um and uh and the whole little you know the drop down with the bass was fun for me to play <laughs> um when i got it right
0: <laughs> because it was cl- interesting cause, um... <laughs> A lot of those bands that, from that eighties period, from eighty three to eighty seven, you know, they, there was a sort of a moment, and then, you know, often after five years, most bands go, no, nope, I've had enough. You know, they, you know, either the, the dynamics between them or the fact that they've made no money, and then the other thing is that musical kind of the musical scene changes so you know suddenly you had that kind of dance scene that started coming in which you know knocked a lot of you know the jingly jangly bands and then after that you had you know yeah. i suppose seattle grunge and then you had brit pop but before yeah. all that you came along at a time with a few other bands like my bloody valentine Mega City yeah. four and lush and carter so you, did you feel yeah. like oh god are we part of, of, of any scene here
1: well, it was um, and Snuff as well, and I think actually Snuff was the ones that were the band that um, sort of uh, uh, we were most sort of in in awe of really, as far as playing, and we 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 always we we liked as well. By that point, we were we were we were reasonably good at what we would you know we we could all play at that point, and so. Um, and so we were, we sort of, we ended up, um, we played with Snuff a lot. And I think they were really integral to being just a massive influence of just, um, and uh, if we were, I don't think we, I don't think we felt, We. none of us really felt like we were part of any particular scene. We just sort of hovered around the edges of, of everybody else's, you know.
0: Yes. Um uh, but I know that I've interviewed Jim Bob from Carter oh, yeah. and, and it's quite interesting in the sense that you know they went from you know Carter and I can't remember the band he was in before that but one of those London indie mm-hmm. bands and then suddenly was the main stage at Glastonbury and it was like yeah. okay that's a bit that's a weird yeah. dream but it's true he did it yeah. you know
1: yeah no it was, it was it was around about that yeah whatever year that was I can't do you know what year that was I can't you know. I can't you know I'm going to
0: guess and say 92
1: yeah, well, I think yeah, 92, 93 was kind of um, an exciting time because it was it everything was starting to sort of happen. We we were starting to make records and and we sort of taking it a bit more seriously. So, well, I mean, as serious as the sense of things would ever get, which is kind of 50 50 really. Yes, we, we we did enjoy ourselves. I mean, I, I have say, I've got the, I've got some footage of, of uh, uh, that I managed to uh, salvage out of about 15 uh, high eight video cassettes and and um and uh, which hopefully we'll see the light of day you know one one day but uh the, the main, the, what, what was really nice about it, and it was around ninety two ninety three is exactly that 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 period and um what's really nice about it there isn't one frame in in thirty two hours of film where we weren't laughing and having a good time This is quite quite that's thirty two hours of you know just random food. and it's sort of I, I think that's what of I, I remember most fondly about um uh, our time together yes Being uh, be in a bus or in a dressing room we we had we were laughing all the time i mean we were, we were smoking and drinking and doing all sorts of silly stuff as well but but for the, but we were always having fun and i think that was that's um and I, I don't know if it really i don't know whether it reflected in the music but that was definitely our reason for carrying on
0: yes
1: um, and um and the whole whole um yeah, I, I think generally that I, I think if if we, if I talk to you know if we have um, you know Simon from Snuff and um, and a couple of the Megas guys or whoever from that time, I think we probably all agree that we were all having a lot of fun actually, and and that, um, so it's nice looking back, you know, it's, um, for that reason alone, and, and and obviously you know it reflects in the music, you know, um, in that we, well we just sort of just wanted to keep on going you know, we didn't want it
0: to end. Yes. Well, it was interesting because I just done an interview with Danny from Mega City 4 and and his memory of that period was just like he just absolutely loved it because all he wanted to do was go on stage and play and, you know, he said he didn't care about anything else and it was all about the music until the moment it finished.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and you wouldn't do it if you weren't. Yeah, exactly. You
0: wouldn't, you wouldn't do yes. it. If you so how did you cope, then? Because the one thing that often trips bands up, the other thing is the admin and signing publishing and record deals. And you were on Vinyl Solution Records for a while, weren't you, when but, you did? Yeah. And, working, yeah. and working with the famous John Langford from the, the Mekons. So did yeah. you manage to navigate those kind of periods kind of okay or was it all a bit of a blur when you thought yeah. it was a
1: bit of a blur we kind of um we i don't know if we were particularly savvy well we were i guess we were reasonably savvy in the, um as i say mark was um sort of predominant in in and being the main songwriter we was sort of obviously keen to sort of make sure that we weren't going to get ripped, ripped off and 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 uh and we were you know always trying to do all you can do is try and do the right thing um, uh, and, and I guess I had a bit of uh, a, a bit of uh, we had a bit of help. Well, uh, just as far as um, advice from from my dad, who was a singer songwriter back in the '60s, so he's already been ripped off once. So he was kind of he was always nagging me in the background, saying, "Well, don't sign, you know, don't sign anything, you know." <laughs> you know, don't sign it you know so make sure you know don't sign your copyright and don't do this and and so there was a bit of advice we had sort of um people to around us sort of like to fall fall back on when we needed to so and um you know like all young 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 pe- you know, people you know people you know when you're young you just you do make mistakes along the way but for the most part I've, we, we, for the most part we kind of did what we wanted to do i think really yes uh, and we had we and and the deals that we signed, we were never pushed into doing and um, writing or, or recording with anyone that we didn't particularly want to write or record with. So, um, so yeah, it kind of um, yeah, we kind of were our own bosses. I think for the most part, yeah, as much as we could be. You know, we didn't conform to anything. Which um, maybe maybe we'd have stayed together a bit longer or sold a few more records if we had had of, um you know uh, gone with certain producers and uh, whatever, but uh, I don't know i mean it is was, was what it is, is't it you know and um but yeah, definitely no regrets in that
0: well, that's good because there's one or two people who <laughs> who' i think taken back thirty years before they can sort of think back to that time, so when you were coming back to your uh, going back to the 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 release, you did your third album. Which was mm. in '93 when Britpop was just about going. Um, Empire of the, of the Senseless. And you did a, a, a sort of a video, didn't you, directed by the one and only Stephen Wells, um, homophobic. Oh, yeah,
1: I saw, yeah. No, yes. that, was, that, that was, that was, well, that, that, I think that was my, um, uh, that that song in particular is my, I think is my, my favourite and uh, one I'm most proud of as far as um, production. It was. Um, Oh God, I can't remember who produced it now. It wasn't Harvey. It was, um, it'll come to me in a minute. Oh, was it Ralph? Ralph Jezard, yeah, yeah,
2: Um,
1: and, um, sorry Ralph, <laughs> I've had a rain freeze for a minute. Um, and, uh, and so the recording went really well. Um, I, I was most, that was the record that I, I liked the sound of the most. Um, in the, it was always a battle with us, um, with two guitars and, uh, and, and sort of distorted bass, um. As far as I was concerned, the bass was never loud enough. And as far as they were concerned, the guitars were never loud enough and the snare was never loud enough and neither, neither was a kick drum. And the vocals also were never loud So nothing was loud enough, you know. So it was always a bit of a fight with us. Uh, um, to, um, and we, uh, But that song in particular, I think we kind of got as close. To, I think everyone was quite happy with it, you know. Yes. And um, and it was good. I remember it sounded great when we were mixing it. I can't remember the studio. But I remember, do remember Steve Lamack being there. Um, uh, he just walked in at some point during the mix, mixing process, and uh, for whatever reason, I don't know why he ended up there. He just he just seems to turn up at, a, <laughs> just, at most opportune moments. But that 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 song, I do, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I've got fond memories of, and 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 it was a good video as well. yeah uh, all sorts of people in it. I can't, remember, I mean, yeah, there's all sorts. Um, was he uh, well, probably know more than I more than I can remember? But um, um, yeah, there was quite a few characters in it. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it was uh, – I, I kind of I – su- I was kind of surprised that – well, I guess because of the title, it didn't get an awful lot of radio play, so it didn't do particularly well you know, sort of chart-wise. But I think it probably deserved to do um, – you know, if it had done – if it would change the title, which I'm sure the record company probably tro- you know, tried to get us to do, it would have um, – it would have done a bit better, but uh, but yeah, definitely that was the track that I was most proud of. Yeah,
0: there's
1: a good bass line as well.
0: <laughs> and were you at, the, yeah, absolutely, and were you at the time kind of aware of those other musical moments? Because I know from some bands, you know, artists say. You know, who had been big, say, in the 60s or even 70s, and then they got to the 80s, and, and they, they really lost their way, you know, not completely, but, you know, people like David Bowie's period and, you know, even Rod Stewart, you know, their production, oh, and Robert Plant, they, you know, when you listen to their solo albums, you think, God, oh, they, they were chasing this kind of rather weird production sound, which, you know, they didn't sound good, and they yeah. slightly got it sorted when they started releasing more albums in the 90s. I wondered if you, as a band, were aware of that kind of, my God, we should be on top of the pops, Look, these all these you know bands like Sleeper, Blur, Oasis, Menswear.
1: Well, I guess uh, I think uh, actually, to be honest, we were, we were a little bit um, from memory. I think we were a little bit torn as a band about that. I, I know that myself and um, and Cass, the drummer, we we didn't care so much about trying to be be um, like in with the kids, as it were, and like, and stick to the fanzines and playing the pubs. We I think we wanted to, once we saw, tasted a bit of, like, well, okay, we, we can make, make a living out of this and we want to be a bit bigger, you know, the bigger we are, then we can play bigger gigs and make some more money and do cooler t-shirts and, da, 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 you know, and, um, and generally be sort of better off, you know, um you know, cuz we were still you know we had our own lives at that point and we we're getting older yes um but at the same time mark um uh was uh, was definitely veering toward just always uh, like trying to keep it cool for the kids and and god bless him really because you know um you know it's 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 always it's always going to be a, a battle between the two you know because you don't want to sell out you know you don't want to sell out and and lose the fans that you started off with um, but at the same time, making music that's more approachable is always going to, you know, or accessible. Sorry, not approachable, accessible. Um, is always going to, you know, veer towards the masses. So it's a, jugg- it's a juggling act, really, you know. Uh, especially when when you're young, you know, it's difficult to, to sort of see 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 past, uh, you know. And, and uh, you know, at that time, the whole indie scene was changing all over the place, and then and then. Obviously when Nirvana came along with Nevermind and, um, you know, it's, it, it opened up opened up the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the whole playing field almost as far as rock, you know, indie rock. Yes. Like, oh, wow. Well, if, they, if they're going to sell a million bloody records and go on MTV, then let's do that. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Did uh, you, were, were, you do, were your record sales, were they going up or down at this stage?
1: At uh, which, at what point? The, by the
0: by, the time you were getting to your say third or fourth album,
1: well, whenever I, I think the, 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 the I guess it was easy to smile or hold it down with probably the the highest chart position. So whatever year that was, I don't know. Um, that that would have been, um, I guess, the, at the, the height of, uh, and that would have been around the Nevermind never time. So, um, so everyone was sort of like trying to sort of jump on that thing. But having said that um a few like a year or two before never mind we were turning down supports with uh nirvana to go on tour with mud honey because uh we just they were just a better band
0: <laughs> <laughs> god and, uh, touch Me. yes well, we, I know. Well, well i i i, I suppose yeah. we can always remember when you first heard touch me i'm sick you know, Yes, yeah, exactly when, yeah mm-hmm.
1: that was big that was a big tune that was uh, you know that was uh um so we were supporting them um we did. I think we did. A, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure we did a couple of tours with them, or at least a quite a few. Jumped on the back of a few gigs, um, England gigs when they came over.
2: Yeah,
1: and, and they were, they were an awesome band. I love that band. I mean, they were, and 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 the, coming back to the fun factor, they were a lot of fun. You know. Mm-hmm. um yeah i mean the dressing of a man six was that lot was just uh yeah it was just it, he wouldn't have missed it for the world so and anytime they came over and so it was, you know we we we'd just get on board but the um we were actually on the same um press label as nirvana so and anton at bad moon was sort of a a big part of a of, of, of very close to the band and um Yes, and, and so and yeah, so I don't know how it was how it worked that we didn't end up playing with them, but but sort of pre never mind.
0: Well, but, I think, uh, but but when they first came over, I remember they they did a tour with Tad, and they they were the support band with Tad doing that was the Bleach album, which was on sub pop.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think it would have been around that time that yeah we were sort of kind of looking at playing with them, and then but I think I think Martini were doing something or something came up, and we were like oh no, forget about that.
2: You know, um, yes. I mean,
1: same, really, in hindsight, just to have the, you know, just, uh, you know, just a hell of it, it would have been, been laugh. But, um, but I think, I, I think Kurt used to stay at, um, at Ben, Ben's house at Guitarist um, when they came over.
0: Right. Because
1: so in hindsight, it's sort of like all a bit weird. Really. I can't imagine staying. I don't think I ever stayed at Ben's house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: know. I don't yeah, know. You have, you'll have to men- you'll have to mention that to Ben at Christmas. But look, when you yeah. came to your doing your fourth album, which was in the mid mid nineties, the John Major years, taking care of business, yeah, yeah. were you aware that the band was coming to a bit of an end?
1: Um, I think so. I think um, the fun factor was starting to um, wear out, and and myself, and it was. My, I think myself and Cass were uh, uh, were getting a little bit kind of. Uh, and maybe there's more to life than just this you know we've been doing it a long time at this point, you know um like most bands would have would have split up sort of years years and years before, but we were getting to, it was getting to the point where it was getting a little bit um like a like a just a job you know and um, rather than you know it became more like work rather than having fun, and we were all about having having fun and just enjoying playing, which we did you know we love love doing it um and I, I can't, you know, it's difficult to sort of remember because you're just different, you know. We were different people back then. You know, it was a long time ago, but I, I do remember thinking uh, I'd really like to do different stuff. And I was writing my, I was writing, started writing my own stuff, and and um, and and I felt like there was a, there was a, the whole indie indie thing was sort of changing, and there was a, there was all sorts of things changing around that time. You know, the computer game music was becoming a thing. Um, there was lots of there was, uh, you know, lots of new bands coming up, embracing sort of technology that was in a different way. You know, um, you know, the, the, from the dance side of things, it was all changing, and uh, and I, I just I just felt like I'd been sort of like hitting this base really hard for a long time, and 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 not being at home and missing my friends, and I just you know I just sort of just thought I would you know. This is you know, now is the time, and I think Casted as well. Uh, we and I, I do remember we all met up a pub and um, talked about it. I know Mark was, uh, you know, and Ben wanted to carry on, um, but for whatever reason, you know, and, and I can't actually. I mean, I, I can't, I can't remember the all the finer details. But for the, but I think it was the right. Well, I, I think it was the right time. Um, I think so.
0: yeah um, it's always, it's always tricky because i often realize you know it's amazing when a band goes beyond that five-year period because then you really have to sort of get, kind of get serious plus you've done a lot more touring and a lot of bands the other thing that i've noticed any band who ever tours america often says and then we split up because america just seems like it finishes and i remember Jim bob from the carter carter yeah. stable just saying you know that was just horrendous well
1: um, we um we did our only tour. the census things did was um one with Blur, and we did three months out there and um and, and I, I actually i no we weren't we weren't ready to split up around that was a bit early we weren't ready to split up we loved that <laughs> we loved it i think we embraced it way too much <laughs>
0: <laughs> that <laughs> does sound good i i do remember sort of i did an interview with a member of this or well, the the man who is the stupids and and okay. it just sounded like he just had a lot of fun all the time he just yeah. didn't take any of it seriously it's, it's so um it's good because most bands you know obviously by the end you know they're they're kind of they're just a bit jaded so do you know when you say with the band you know this is it at the end is it kind of do you do you have sort of some kind of agreement or you know no, the, the no, con-
1: I, no i i i think that, that i do remember and it was awful it's like it's like divorcing you know you know Three wives at the same time. It was like, well, you know, it was just horrendous. And I, and I remember we, we met up at a pub in, pub in Richmond, and I got all, everyone down and just, and I just said, look, I, 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 I think I'm done. You know, um, I'm really sorry, but you know, just, uh, and Castle's like, and I looked at Cass and Castle's like, I think I'm done as well. And um, oh, was, and then I, I remember, and it was awful. I was in tears. You know, it was like. You know, it's, yeah, it's, Like I say, it's like splitting up with you know three relationships. But times saying we've been living. I mean, we've been living together, you know, for the most part, and, and working together for oh god, like ten years. But at that point, you know, longer than any any of any of our girlfriends have been with us. <laughs> you know, so um, no, it's awful. It's really uh, you know, and um, and uh, yeah, no, it's tearful. It's really he- it's very heavy. Um, can't really can't really describe it and i, I mean I'm, I'm i think i've probably for that, for that reason, I've erased as much of it as I can out of my mind. But there's stuff that you can't, you know, you can't unread what
0: you've read. No. Well, talking to to Danny, you know, from you know Mega City Four, he just said, you know, he spent eight months kind of traumatized and depressed, yeah. and and cut oh. his hair off, and just didn't know what he was going to do because he also he had no they had no money. Oh yeah, and they got a tax bill, so he had to sell all his equipment, and so yeah. it was minus yeah. really. Yeah. So so I just wondered how how it goes clearing up all those kind of bits and pieces and like oh no that's my guitar oh no that's my music stand that's my mic you know
1: yeah oh um well yeah there's know, yeah, there's lots of that. i think we we had a we had a lock up um in twickenham uh, for a long time for a for, oh, well, whole time that um we were going and um and i remember um, i do remember um, a lot of equipment just being sort of mysteriously just disappeared <laughs> and um and uh but you know at that, at that point it, um well we because we didn't have anywhere to put it you know no one could pay for their own lock up or you know so it was just like designated a dead zone you know so years and years of junk and t-shirts and amps that didn't work and rubbish guitars you know it was just sort of like just all of a sudden just just not there anymore you know um yes. But, um, but yeah no, it 's a horrible 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 thing to happen, but yeah, very much like splitting up with a girlfriend really.
0: yes well I, I sort of and you know nine years is longer than most people 's marriages so you know and and the fact it 's twenty four seven and you 've gone through so many kind of real highs as well as a few moments which weren 't probably quite so high well you know. I don't know. Depends what you're smoking. But look, you then... all of it. <laughs> but then, you know, you, unlike a lot of people, did stay in the music world rather than saying that's it. Because there's a lot of bands that you think, God, you did these amazing albums, and then, and they went, and then you just got a job and, and said, no, I was never a member of the June Brides or something like that, and, oh, yeah. or, or Mega City 4. So you, you did sort of quickly get back into playing again.
1: Well, I did. I, 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 I think I took about a year off. I went, I went off and, and did a bit of writing on my own, and, and uh, uh, I, but, but, but did, I did some weird stuff. I, I did some, spent like a month working with Jamie Hewlett, who went on to do Guerrillas. We were looking at doing um, a, a tank or computer game, and, and um, we, we thought it was, fun, but it was fun, but it was like probably about five years too early. And uh, and I was looking at doing the music, and I was sort of really into just doing, creating. I and mean, I was I was getting really into the recording process. And right to, right at the end of the census thing stuff, I was recording um, parts at home and then taking them to the studio. And da, da, da. so I was, that was that was a, that was a kind of big part of um, what I was into at the time. You know, I was I'd migrated from the four track cassette to an eight track, you know, to a sixteen track, and you know, and having a little studio at home, which I loved. I mean, I was. I, 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 you know i was so happy at that sign
2: yes um, because it mean
1: very, being very as creative as possible and it was uh, so um so yeah so i did a bit of that and then but ultimately um i needed to make some money <laughs> and uh and live and uh and yes. eat all that stuff and uh and so um i can't remember what um what was the first thing that cropped was it up.
0: vent Four One Four with miles yeah
1: i think it was with miles yeah that would have been that would make sense it would have been around that time and uh and he called up and said and he had some demos and and uh, and uh, and I was like, yeah, great. And So he sent me a four-track cassette, like you do, um, you know, with all the, all his demos. And so I took off the bass, that he, the rough guide bass, and I, and I just did my thing on top. And he was like, okay, fine, that's great. <laughs> okay, let's get a deal. And he went off and got a deal. And suddenly, um, you know, we're doing gigs again, and uh, and we got, you know, and, and yeah, and it's a lot of fun. Yes, a really lovely guy. Um, and, and a lovely the drummer, um, Pete Howard, uh, who used to play with Eats and The Clash. Uh, me and him, he, and he was an um, awesome drummer. And uh, I think he can still play. Um, I haven't spoken to him for a while. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and uh, we got on really well. We had a lot of fun. Again, this all comes down to getting on and having fun. And, you know, and like the, the age-old thing of, you know, if you can make a good cup of tea, then you're in, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, and, uh, yeah, and so, and we, I mean, it was a bit, it, we should really have carried, it's a shame we didn't carry on to do another album because Miles is a great songwriter. And and we just sort of, I think we really just sort of tickled the edges of, of uh, what we could do. It was a bit of a sort of a super group vibe, you know, with Pete being like he was. And, and I was sort of never really shy. I was not sort of a bass player to just um, play, you know, like, 12 Bar blues sort of you know uh, plodding along walking bass lines. you know a, a bit of a show off really and and miles being a, being the biggest show off of them all um it's, you know it sort of made for quite a quite a fun little racket you know yes and, well
0: because I know that um James Burnley from the 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 Pogues who's now got a sort of a bit of a super group himself and they've just got an album out this coming August. Oh, right. And um, and it was quite funny because when I mentioned it was a supergroup, you know, they were sort of other bands, you know, because you don't get a lot of that a lot of that anymore, do you? You've to, you have got it, you know, like Cream or bands like that. Um, but you, you know, this Vent One Four One was was a supergroup in, and you even had the famous Steve Albini produce him, which is you know, like yeah, he, you he couldn't did, get more kind of rock and roll, really.
1: Yeah, he did. Uh, he did produce it. We we did it at Abbey, Abbey Road, and it was all very exciting. I do remember. It was like, oh, great, you know. Yeah, Steve. I've doing it. We're at Abbey Road. It doesn't get any better. Than that. And and um, and I have to say, I mean, much as I love a lot of Steve's um, records, I didn't enjoy working with him. I have to say. And and um, I thought the whole the whole process was um, uh, a little bit um, over the top. And and uh, yeah, I, I I didn't enjoy it. And 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 I think the reason being is that uh, as I mentioned earlier, I got into the recording process sort of, uh, and I loved all that side of it. And uh, and uh, I'd actually demoed the whole album at some... Uh, we went to a residential studio uh, down near Brighton in the middle of, middle of nowhere. And, um, and so I'd recorded the whole thing once already. Um, and we sort of kind of, you know, worked on the arrangements and, blah, blah, blah. and so, I'd, so I'd, I, made, I basically made the album. We mixed it and produced it and engineered it um, with with Miles and Pete. And um, we, that's what sold it, to a record company. And they were like, this is great. Let's go and like, so we did the whole thing, but that, 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 we did it all again. But the, the attention to detail wasn't there because we 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 did it in a week with Steve, and but what we'd done before we'd done in like over a, a month or two, and so the, the, there was an attention to detail that I, I kind of really missed, and um, and it was when um, Steve made one of the um, the tape offs swinger, you know, like a Neumann forty seven valve mic uh, in an arc around Studio One at Abbey Road to get some sort of weird Leslie effect. And poor guy was absolutely shitting his (sighs) pants because this is like a, you know, like a 15,000 pound microphone flying around the room. And uh, I was like, this is ridiculous. You know this is just this is not what the band's about. it's just like this is just a simple waste of time and and also and also the the other thing being that he he refused to have drop in on on tape uh we we're recording it tape it's great lovely idea you know there's nothing wrong with that. we've been recording the tape for years, but it's um but his whole thing was just like you no, know, it's got to be like you know you've got to do it in one take, and it's like well okay, but the song wasn't. you know, I didn't record it like that. You know, we, I, I dropped in. You know, in the demo, be, and there's a reason because I can't do the pedal changes and and, and you know and da da You know, there's something. You know, sometimes it just works. Like when you're making a record, you know, that's anyway. So we didn't get on very well. I think mean, it's probably uh, the best way of explaining it. But um, but the record's still good. But um, the uh, the demo uh, demos that we did for the album, I think, are way better. Yeah. But,
0: uh, but then that that obviously came to a bit of an end and then you you sort of you've you've been you know there's another bassist i once interviewed phil king who was in various indie bands and in lush and then went on to do you know right. play with people like jesus and the mary chain so you also became something of a you know went from that to the streets and then mm. and then lily allen the who and then Moose, which is quite an extraordinary you know yeah, it's yeah. almost like a proper CV job, isn't it?
1: <laughs> well, I wish it was... Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Um, I, I, I hope... Um, I don't know what's next, because we're going fi- to... The music is about to finish. We're going to finish in October. And um, and at the moment, I've been a bit distracted with stuff at home, but... And, um, and uh, yeah, I haven't even begun to think about what I'm actually going to do in October. So if there's anyone out there that needs a bass player, give us a call. Yes. <laughs> um but it's funny because what do you do? What do you, you know? It's like I've got this sort of. In fact, I did. I put um put an ad in the a uh, few years back. I put in uh, an ad in the local um, Richmond's Wickenham Times, which is like you know like the, your local newspaper. Um, and it was like you know right. So you know, CV bass player, um, looking for you know looking for work. Um, has own equipment, prepared to travel. You know, no time wasters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I think not one person called up but but I actually did it just just for fun is, you know, what was great was sort of an expert, you know, on the on the on the paper it's like, you know, um, you know, lawnmowers, uh lawn mower repairer. You know, <laughs>
0: dog uh, walker.
1: The dog walker, yeah. Window cleaner. But, but it's funny, it's, it, there's no rule sort of um there's no rules as far as that. Like, there's no sort of you know, no one's sort of actually part of uh, you know, like some sort of big company or sort of or management that just looks after you and goes, Right, okay, here's Here's another cake, you know. It doesn't really Well, for me. It's never really worked like that. And I don't
0: think it is for anyone, actually. No. Well, I think the thing is, I always remember this one story, which I always <laughs> I remember one story, which was really kind of like unbelievable. There was a band called Blows of Bella who were a folk band, and they had a very good hurdy-gurdy player. And he oh, okay. wanted to get some more work. So he put his little kind of, and, and, you know, went to a record shop and had some cards printed and said, you know, if you, anybody wants a hurdy-gurdy player or we'll tuition yeah. for the hurdy-gurdy, which is a bit niche. And anyway, yeah. I think within that day, The management of Robert Plant and uh, Jimmy Page came in and said... You wouldn't believe it, but these, you know, two super, you know, these two guys yep. are looking for a hurdy gurdy play. Yep. I am not, and the, I don't think this guy who had to do this job ever heard of a hurdy gurdy. And he said, "Oh, actually, this bloke just gave." And there's this yep. guy who'd been playing in little folk clubs and pubs, suddenly went on tour with, you know, um, you know, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant around the world for several years, and was on the yep. album. And and right. I thought, oh, Christ, that's the most right. unlikely moment of his life, you know. And so it's like, whatever you want you can just just give us the bill we'll pay for the lot and it was like you know suddenly he went from little blowsabella to sort of rock god you know
1: yeah amazing yeah no that's lovely that's a lovely story but, but yeah I, I, well actually i think i think my my whole I, 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 it's all about being in the right place at the right time and a bit of luck and i and actually i think yeah i, I think that's just very much like you know it applies to me really you know i just sort of kind of just by luck just jumped from one band to the next and and, the, and the, phone, the phone rang, you know. And um, uh, just with the streets, for example, the, um, um, Tim Viggan, the, uh, the manager, um, who I, I knew from from Cass, the drummer from the Senses Things, uh, his band, Delacosa, who I also played with, um, just called me up one day on an off chance and said, Look, you know, Mike skin has got his, he's down the road, he's, he was around the corner in Shepherd's Bush, where I had, I had a studio down there at the time he said, look, we're having trouble finding a base player. Do you want to go, just go take your base down to it. you know, um, you know, see if you can help out. And so uh, I was like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, um, which was, and it was odd because uh, the, I think the day before I told my girlfriend, um, that I wouldn't, I wasn't going to go on tour anymore. That was it. I'm done with touring. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, uh, so I went down, dragged the base down and we all got on really well. And, uh, and, and and also it was just that they were such lovely guys and really young, really funny and, uh, and I got I felt the same vibe as kind of early census things really there was an energy to, to, it's just a young vibe really, I think at the end of the day but also a fucking great record. I mean it's like a classic album yeah uh, pirate material it still now holds up I think is, is one of um, the best best things to come out of England for a long time really I mean, it's, it's, it just gets better and better whenever I listen to it so, I love this record anyway so so I was super excited It's like and I hadn't heard of them until until um until Tim had called me up and I went down there. And uh, so I, had, I sort of had to had to learn a couple of songs really quick, and and straight away was into it, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so then I got the gig, and which uh, was just really, and it was like, oh, oh shit! <laughs> I'm back. Sorry, sorry, darling. I'm back on the road again. And so we did. I think I did. Um, I can't
0: remember must be like four or five years with The Streets yeah because that was the early O years wasn't it 2002 yeah because I can remember that first album and by the second album I thought no I'm not that bothered but I loved the first album so when when you get the call like you also worked with The Who as well did you was that just with a short blip or not blip you know a little moment with The Who was that quite a big gig yeah it was well
1: that was through um, that was through my dad really who's it was uh, it was well we i've known um the Townsends from they were their family friends from, from a long time ago from my my mum went to our college with uh, pete's wife and my dad ended up uh, doing backing vocals and a lot of the early stuff and uh, like tommy and stuff like that and and became a very close friends sort of with pete and so we all used to go on holiday together when we were kids and so um one thing led to another there was a, can't remember exactly how it happened, but Pino Paladino was uh, couldn't do it, um, wasn't available. Um and and so that I think my dad put me forward and, and Pete said, Well great, okay. And um so it was just a it was just a one off. Um and uh, no it's great. It, was, it was, um I mean uh, I, I, my whole my whole uh the, the way that I, I play bass is com- totally um Influence from John Entwistle, anyway.
0: Yes, well, I was just going to say, John Entwistle. Some of those bass lines were quite, icon- well, quite iconic, amazingly iconic. So, how did you, did you think? Oh my God, I've got to nail this, otherwise the crowd. Well, have-
1: what, what it was, I
0: remember. I remember when I was because um, I was, re- I was sort of
1: like um, relegated to playing bass in the sense of things. From I went from I, I started off as a drummer and then ended up. And then I was a guitarist, and then, and then I, I think during when it was um, O levels time, something like that, I was doing exams. And uh, and I was getting a hard time from, from my folks, like, uh, for, you know, not doing, you know, not, not studying or whatever. Um, and I think I've got a feeling Tippex might have been involved. <laughs> 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 That's another thing. You can put that in if you want. But, <laughs> um, there's, yeah, I was probably getting into quite a lot of trouble, not really behaving myself. So. Anyway, so I got relegated to playing bass and I was just thought, sort of, this is fucking boring. Um, and I thought well how can I make this a bit more interesting and, and at the same time I was listening to um, I was well, I was around my nan's house I remember and she had a lovely little turntable and, so, and she had a, 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 an original copy of Live at Leeds and the great thing about that record for any bass player or upcoming bass player out there is, uh, is that all the bass is on the left and all the guitar is on the right and and so you can just take one headphone off and just listen to John and, and Keith play and, uh, and that more than anything else um was the biggest influence of, of well that was that was everything to me yes I, I, and uh, uh, that was uh it was like oh okay this is this is suddenly a whole nother world of playing bass and this is what i'm going to do yes. and at the same time what was so the way that mark played which was very just chords, of sort of like churning singer-songwriter just chords, you know based, basic very simple sort of structures meant that I could do the John Entwistle stroke sort of for Paul McCartney moving around all over the place and so so I just do I basically play guitar uh, guitar uh, lines over the throughout the whole thing so um and so that's that that's you know, that's how I, you know started really. That, that was everything. So so John John was a massive huge and, and 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 obviously being sort of part of the family. Eventually I you know ended up um, meeting I used to hang out and go skigs and my dad was uh, and ended up MD on the eighty nine tour I think it was. And so so we were, we were they've always been there. They were all sort of part of the family really. Yeah. Um, very, very, very lucky, I guess, and it's to have that around. Well, it's interesting because
0: um, there are some quite, you know, there's John Entwistle, there's also, I think, Lemmy from Motorhead, and also yeah. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Noel Reddin from the Hendrix Experience, yeah. who are all sort of bass players who were probably started as rhythm guitarists and then sort of moved yeah. on to the bass. But I know because I once did an interview with Fast Eddie, and he said Lemmy's bass playing was difficult to play with at times. It did take you a while because it, was, it wasn't that straightforward.
1: No. No, when it moved around, and also because he's a singer as well. Him and Lemmy in particular was slightly different because he was a he was a singer. Um, you know, he was he'd allow he'd he'd have to allow you know himself he'd, be, he'd have to be able to sing and play at the same time, which is most bass players don't. You know, it's quite it's quite it's actually very hard to do that. Um, was, I think he was a better musician than most people actually give him credit for. I mean, obviously the you know the rickenbacker sound and the, you know the the sound of it was one thing. Yes, but the ability to sing and play at the same time, uh, bass is, is is actually really difficult. It's not. It doesn't. It doesn't come as natural as as, as playing rhythm guitar, for example. It's uh, playing rhythm guitar and singing is just. It, it goes together. Playing bass is because you're you're playing you're playing to a kick drum and and you're playing to you're playing to a, a rigid sort of you no know, you know as much as you can. You're kind of conforming to being. The rhythm section, and so it doesn't necessarily go hand in hand with a, a, a floating vocal over the top.
2: No, I
1: think he was he was he was very good. I mean, I saw I saw him play. Well, it was, um, I remember they would be playing a festival with um, uh, musical playing on one station and, and motorhead were playing on the other one. And me and um, uh, the drummer went, uh, Don went to uh, stood on the, stand the side of the stage and watched, and he was he was awesome. I mean, he was great, you know, he was still. It was pretty incredible, really, what, the, you know, uh, what he was doing. You know, even, even, and that, that would have been a sort of late, late, instance. you know, that was
0: late, you know. Yes. God, he died about 2015, I think. Yeah, but um But, yeah, so just um, fast-forwarding slightly, or going back slightly, mm-hmm. um, did you, were you part of the, Sense C- of things did a reunion concert? Um, Shepherd's Bush. Yes. Were you part of that? Because I know... Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I did that. I managed to, you know, managed to pull it together.
0: <laughs> and what was it like, you know, after all those years, sort of putting it together and doing one gig?
1: It was very, very emotional. Yeah, I have to say, I think emotional is probably the best word. Not, not just um, for getting together, um, but the um, the actual gig itself was really emotional. Uh, just because we didn't, it didn't mean, you know, we didn't really know what to expect, and. Um, uh, we didn't even know anyone was going to turn up, <laughs> but, but they did turn up, and and, and half of them got, got got up on stage at the end, and uh, and uh, you know I recognised a few of them, <laughs> and they're <were> much older. <laughs> <laughs> yes. and, uh, you know, and it was just lovely. You know, you can see it in people's, you know, it was bringing stuff back, and it was lovely. It was really, yeah, it was a, it was a lovely moment actually.
0: I would imagine so. And did it feel quite nice seeing the the three other guys again?
1: Uh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. It was it was lovely. It, uh, I mean, I I spent I, I tend to hang out with Cass quite a bit, and me and him did the Gorillas together, and and we've stayed sort of um, we we sort of really lives the same neck of the woods, so we sort of see each other quite a bit still. Um, but it, yeah, it was lovely to see Brian and lovely to see, to see Mark. It was just. Uh, uh, a lot of memories came back, and, um, you know, it's all a bit sloppy, really. But, yeah, it was all, you know, it was great. It was, um, it, would, it, it was actually, it was a lot of work to do for one gig, and I think that my only regret about that whole thing, because um, it, it was a year or two ago now, I guess, was that we'd, we'd basically done enough to do, we should have just, you know, done like, got at least a few more, and um, I made a tour out of it, or do some festivals or something, and got away, if we could have got away with it, Um i purely just because yeah like i say, the amount of work it takes to put a set together get some visuals together and do it uh make some t shirt you know it's like by that point you might as well go on tour you know yes <laughs> i think
0: that yeah that was that was probably and you did just lastly you did a single as well lost honey did that you know obviously doing a tour and playing the old hits is one thing but going back into a studio and doing a single which obviously probably took didn't take weeks to put you know record it, but did that also you know doing a new recording did that feel kind of exciting again?
1: Well, it did. Yeah, it did, and um, yeah, it was it was nice. I mean, it was nice to do that, and, I, and we did a lot of the rehearsing and recording. In, I've got a little studio out in the garden, it's like a posh shed really, and um, and we did a bunch of stuff. But at the same time, we we uh, we dug out a bunch of some old recordings that. that none of us could remember ever doing that we're really good and and so that was quite exciting and i think we, we did have a view of maybe trying to do some release something on, and, and also put all this footage out um, which i'd really like to do at some point i know everyone else is sort of keen to put it out there because it is great i mean you'd love it honestly it's it's so of the moment it's uh there's uh there's a whole bunch of stuff with us and leatherface uh, who are supporting at the time and uh, on one one reel, it's just um, it's just really funny. I mean, it's, and there's Andy from who's sadly not with us, obviously. And uh, um, there's some some just uh, lovely moments, you
2: know. Yes. Uh, and just...
1: uh, uh, you know, and really weird little things like you know, well, just like sound checks and and crew and people who aren't here anymore and and and, and you know, like old things like a trip to Japan. Man, on the way back, we are all, all smoking on a plane. It sounds really silly, but. It kind of uh, the, in the in the, 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 uh, the material of the virgin seats. It's just it's like almost sort of you know like uh, the old tube seats, you know,
2: yeah.
1: and also just spread all over the place, just drinking red wine and smoking. Fact, it's like it's like before. I, I mean, imagine that now. I mean, it's like yeah and so then so it's aging really well i guess what i was gonna say is it, it, it's aging really well so i'd love it to come out i'd love it to be put out in some sort of shape or form
0: so why are you tempted because obviously you know i have the other theory that i've got which i didn't even bore you with is that 30 yeah. years is often a period of time that suddenly things take a different kind of kind of look and suddenly become heritage i suppose and people want to put them in museums because there was a, a year ago i think there was a guy who brought out this kind of book on fanzines and there's been various exhibitions and also the film because you had the you know the wedding present film the go between's has had one you yes. know the chills has had one and people are going actually my god we got we got you know and i know a few people have said actually we have got quite a bit of footage if only someone would yeah. be bothered to do it so do you have that kind of actually it would be quite nice to do a little 60 minute movie of the band
1: um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, um, well, I think well, we, we've got, like I say, we've got so much of it. It's, um, it, it, it's sort of, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it'd be, I mean, it'd be great to be put it, to put it in some of it in, in with other stuff maybe. But I think we've got, well, I mean, I, added with the help of, um, one of the Muse uh, guys who wrote some, some of the Muse footage, um, and the live content, uh, we added, we added to 32 hours down to about two hours and, and, but the two hours is so good. You don't want to really want, I wouldn't want to edit any more than that because yes. it, it's it's so good. You know, uh, I mean, uh, there's so much you could chuck in, chuck a few bits into something, you know, some, but I, I think as it, in, in its entirety, is, um, you know, um, you know, it's worthy of like, a, of, of like three parts almost. Do you know what I mean? Um, yes, and absolutely. so, um, or, or just put stick it on the d v d or or wonder or whatever you know um. yes
0: well, they did the same with Woodstock have not they? I think they've got a new one which goes on for that almost in real time of woodstock the f- with the festival from sixty nine so I'm sure you could have a sort of an edited and then a unedited you know and, like, un, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> the d v yeah. bonus for Christmas day <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, but I do. Th- I, but I do really think that you should archive it because I think archiving these things is just like you don't want to lose oh, it. Yeah.
1: Oh no, well it's all done. Well, that was my fear actually, because because when once I realised that, but um, it was when when we were um, uh, actually no, it was, it was it was quite a few years ago when I did a, I did a transfer before I knew that we were going to get do this gig in Shepherd's Bush or whatever, and uh, and and it was I, I read something about. Um, the high eight tape, which was all done, and it only had a fifteen-year lifespan, and we were well well over that. And so um, I thought, oh shit! I, you know, wouldn't it be awful if, uh, if uh, not just for the, not for anyone who's interested in the band or anything, but for just basics, just the kids, and you know, just uh, in, in a home movie kind of context. Yes. And um, it would just be such a fucking, just be such a waste, you know. And so, uh, so I really went at it, and I tracked a few more down. We found um randomly a friend in new zealand he um had had a bunch of stuff um that he'd been hoarding and and so we pieced together um quite a few bits and pieces and um there's unfortunately there, there is one cassette that's out there somewhere which i'm i'd love to find and it was one it was a trip in japan uh really early days uh like one of the first trips we did over there and um and it it, it it was we it was so good that we used to watch it back all the time and I think that was the problem we watched it back all the time and so um you no know, when you know before you know late night TV you know yes and we weren't we, were, we, were we were making our own entertainment but like a sort of two o'clock, for something to do at two o'clock in the morning so quite often the only thing that we could plug into the TV was the video camera <laughs> I was back excellent we've got quite good at editing our, ourselves because you know if it's boring we're not going to watch it you
0: know no so. no god well do, do so what would you just lastly what would you say to a, an, your 18 or an 18 year old self that was sort of starting out I just wondered what bit of kind of like wisdom you thought god that's definitely,
1: definitely lay off the speed, speed I took way too much my speed and ended up in an hospital and I really regret that apart from that everything's fine
0: good <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> funny enough, Lemmy, Lemmy was just like he loved the speed, but he just said, "Don't, oh. don't touch the heroin." So that was <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, yeah, that's a given. I mean, that's just that's just silly stuff. And I, I you know, um, um, yeah, I, you know, and you get really itchy with that stuff. It's and it's not as much fun. It's really boring. Uh, but yeah, the uh, yeah, lay off the speed. is bad. Well, I ended up with kidney stones. No one wants that.
0: So. No, cheesy, crazy, yeah. crazy. And just lastly, I have to ask you this. Who is is actually and you're probably thinking, my God, he doesn't know anything, but who's your dad?
1: who's my dad it was, it was my dad <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you you said your dad was a backing singer
1: uh yeah Yeah, he is a, he is a backing singer, that's funny though like, yeah, he's some old, but I wish I could just carry on with that with a backing singer vibe because that, was, <laughs> that really makes make me laugh But he's um so he's on tour with a who at the moment, and um his name's Billy Nichols, and mm. he was signed to immediate back in the 60s uh andrew olden's label
2: yes
1: and he put out an album called um just as immediate was finishing called would you believe and i mean it's now apparently one of the most um one of the most collectible um uh well it's in the top 20 most collectible records uh, of all time, so it's, uh, it's got um, more faces on it. Pete, I think Pete Townsend might have had something to do with it. Really?
2: Um,
1: anyway, so he was—he's was very young when he did it, but it's got lots of big players on it. And yes. um, and uh, but they—they they only it just—it was just as a media was folding, and so the, I think there was only like a couple of hundred maybe uh, print princes So if you ever see, would you believe by Billy Nichols? Grab it because it's worth an
0: absolute.
1: Yes. And so anyway, so he went on to. Uh, be a sitting about sing with the Who um, on, on a lot of their stuff, sang on Not Nutflake, uh, Small Faces stuff. He was uh, it became almost an in-house singer, a uh, uh, backing vocalist at, uh, um, in Barnes at Olympic Studio. So he sang on all sorts of people's records. I think he even sang on Stone's records. But um, so he's been around for a long time. And um uh, and he wrote a song, I, I, I guess, sort of most currently, if you bring it right up to date, he wrote a song in the 70s called Can't Stop Loving You, um, which was covered by Leo Sayer. And then Roger Daltrey covered it for, for the film at Vicar. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and then Phil Collins covered it a few years back. And then Taylor Swift has just covered it, um, just literally the other day. Got to stop saying fucking literally, because everyone's saying literally waste, literally too much. Um, Taylor Swift covered it on the Liquid Lounge or Live Lounge or whatever it's called, what's it, what's it called? Like, is it Live Lounge? I, I don't
0: know. <laughs> wow, that's um, fantastic.
1: Yeah, and so um, this one song that um, uh, so he wrote it back in the day um, has uh, really, uh, yeah, it's really sort of um, done wonders for the Nichols' bank balance. <laughs> yes,
0: Chris, Christmas <laughs> and, uh, is here. We're he, just
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be another white Christmas. <laughs> Cheers, Dad. <laughs> anyway, so, so maybe he's he's been around for a while, and uh, yeah, his his story. I mean, he if you're going interv- to interview anyone, he, he's he's the guy to interview because his 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 story is, is is much more interesting than mine, and, and he's been doing it for a, a whole lot longer, um, and he, and he's still doing it. Like so he's he's out on tour with the Who at the moment, doing backing vocals again, and uh, yeah, I think he's just done Madison Square Gardens and. Wow hopefully, keeping himself out of trouble. So wherever, wherever you are, Dad.
0: Yes. You know. And that is going to be the end of the interview. If you're, um, yes, if you're still listening, marvellous, well done. You got to the end. Otherwise, um, yeah, I don't blame you. But I enjoyed it. And uh, a huge thank you to Morgan Nichols, he of The Senseless Things, and obviously lots of other bands as well. Um, so do, yes just go back relive the senseless things days it might just change your life it certainly changed mine anyway thank you and uh, I'll leave you with another track I could leave you with the uh, contact details but that would just sound rather desperate this is going to be the senseless things I know you knew I was going to do this and uh, this is going to be easy to smile have a great week (laughs)